Laissez le bon temps rouler. I first saw it on a sticker. The woman at the reception desk was wearing it. The reception desk in question was that of the Tabasco factory on Avery Island in Louisiana. My French is terrible. But like most every person I've met in that great state of Louisiana, this woman was more than happy to educate me with a smile and some love. Laissez le bon temps rouler, let the good times roll. The phrase encapsulates all that is special about New Orleans, about Cajun and Creole culture, all that is special about Louisiana in general. Laissez le bon temps rouler shows off this area's French colonial past and pretty much perfectly sums up these folks' attitude to life. There were hard times then, there are hard times now, but with good food, great music, and a true community spirit, they just let the good times roll. I want to tell you all about my unforgettable trip to the Crescent City, New Orleans, Louisiana. Hey, I'm Stephen. Welcome to my podcast. So I live in the Netherlands, you might know, just outside Amsterdam. I fell in love with Amsterdam in the most unexpected way. My friend, back when I lived in Ireland, had never been out of Ireland before, so we agreed to take the cheapest flight to anywhere, and that led us to Amsterdam. Back then, when someone mentioned the city, I had images of, you know, the sleazy red light district, the sex shops, the, the English tourists, the drunken hordes. It was for party people, stag dudes, bachelor parties, stoners, that kind of thing in my mind. Little did I know how wrong I was. The architecture was beautiful, the people, the locals were amazing, the history, the food, the atmosphere. I knew I loved it from day one. New Orleans won me over in a similar way. It was never on my travel wish list. New Orleans conjured up images of Mardi Gras, of course, of beads and boobs, partying, more out-of-town tourists just going to have a good time. And just like Amsterdam, that's true. We were there during Mardi Gras. There were plenty of out-of-towners, beads everywhere, and we drank plenty. But also like my first ever trip to Amsterdam, I learned just how much I underestimated the city. I had no idea of the wealth of culture, food, music, soul, history, everything that the city possessed. An old friend wanted to celebrate her 30th in New Orleans as it fell during Mardi Gras. Four of us had been having a few drinks in a bar, and before we could think twice, we already had our phones out booking time off work and flights. It seemed crazy, but then the more I thought about it, the more I researched, the more excited I got. The trip in question started bright and early. We'd booked a lounge in Amsterdam Schiphol Airport, so we turned up nice and early to enjoy that. I'd, I've been through a million airports in my life and in my job, but I'd never used an airport lounge before. There was a breakfast buffet and unlimited drinks. I remember I started with a coffee, but that quickly switched to a rum and coke. Coincidentally, the trip fell in the middle of my training for my first ever ultramarathon. I'll tell you more about that someday. I'd hired a coach, I was training hard, and probably in the best shape of my life. Yet I had warned Coach Kyle that this week-long trip would be a write-off. I had some plans to run and train when I was there, but the good times came first. The eating, the drinking, the city came first. Such hedonism continued on the flight. We flew Delta, and the flight attendants were fantastic. The friends I was travelling with were also colleagues of mine, so we were three flight attendants and a pilot. On hearing this, the Delta crew were just amazing. They'd slip us extra drinks and snacks. I asked for one, re one red wine after dinner in the hope that that would just send me off to sleep through the flight. Then afterwards they came along and we got a whiskey and coke, and then they knew what my order was. I'd wake up from a nap to another whiskey and coke on my table. 
in the end, I just stopped, started stowing the little mini drinks bottles in my bag. They kept bringing more and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to turn up at US Passport Control completely wasted. Just as well, too. By the time we got there, there was a really long wait at the airport, you know, to get through Passport Control and it was nearly abandoned. Eventually, I reached the officer. I presented my passport and I had that uh, customs declaration form filled out. For some reason, I was sent to one of those little rooms off the side, you know, never fun. I sat there in this t tiny little room with a large straight-faced policeman staring at a computer. I had to nervously ask why I'd been sent there and eventually he replied with some murmurings about random checks. It took about 10 minutes, felt more like an hour, and then eventually I rejoined my group. We took a taxi to our hotel in the city, the Quisby. This place, the Quisby, turned out to be one of the best things about the whole stay. It was about 8pm, we quickly dropped off our stuff, we agreed to meet in the lobby and go for a walk, check out our local area. We were staying in an area called the Garden District. Little did we know how perfect the hotel would be and how perfectly located it would be. It was walking distance from the French Quarter, you know, the old tourist centre of town, but far enough out to be peaceful. We were surrounded by old colonial era houses, some were run down, others were just immaculate. We found a bar on nearby Magazine Street, the Half Moon Bar. It was nothing fancy, but it was one of those good old-fashioned, authentic, you know, kind of grimy, but really local bars. There were locals sitting on the bar stools, and the barman was just so charming, you know, in that way that only bar staff can be. I was so happy to be sitting in the city. It surprised me just how excited I was. I was there with my friends in a rough and ready bar in Louisiana, of all places, somewhere I'd never thought I'd be, drinking a local craft beer with friends. We finished a night stroll around this beautiful area and then hit the hay. Next morning, I decided to explore the city in the best way that I know how, with running shoes on, bright and early, before the rest of the city wakes up. I always did the very same in Amsterdam and I tried to do it wherever I travel. New Orleans is on the Mississippi River. I have such a thing for rivers. I was excited the first time I saw the Danube, the first time I saw the Rhine, and the great Mississippi River is just iconic. In so many history lessons, stories, songs, films, I wanted to see it with my own eyes. It was an eerie, foggy sort of morning, and I could just make out the giant metal frame of a bridge that was the Crescent City Connection Bridge. I started running towards the bridge. Didn't really know where I was going, but they figured if I want to see the Mississippi, I can get to the bridge, and that's a good start. Little did I know, the whole area around the bridge was just industry and docklands. I saw a lot of concrete and steel, and didn't even catch a glimpse of the river. It was all behind, you know, high walls. But it was cool to see, and I'm glad I got to see some of the real city before we ventured into the centre, before we were in a postcard, basically. Later that day, my friend Sam and I went to the nearby World War II museum. The girls were attending a glass-blowing workshop. The museum was right beside our hotel, and it was massive. Uh, unbelievable. It was kind of expensive to get in, but we got so much for our money, and it was you know, could have spent all day in there. In the end, the only reason we left is because we had arranged to meet the girls for lunch. Lunch was at the Ruby Slipper, which is a chain of restaurants in New Orleans designed to give the visitors that true Creole food experience. There's a great little clip from The Simpsons where Homer dreams of eating his way through New Orleans and he lists this massive array of foods, most of which I'd never heard of. I'd urge you to go check it out on YouTube. My friend had made it his mission to try every food Homer talks about on that list and it started here. So a quick note on Louisiana food. 
Cajun and Creole food is world famous, and with good reason, but it's most definitely not very vegan friendly. I was determined not to let that get in the way or to spoil my friend's food experience in any way. I'm used to these situations, most vegans would be. I know how to read a menu and build a meal, even if it did just mean, you know, taking the side salad and chips or french fries, whatever you call them. But I was so pleasantly surprised at the, the ruby slipper. My friends ordered all manner of, you know, fried meats, whatever was on the menu. The, our waitress knew exactly what was vegan and just made sure that I had a delicious lunch. We ordered cocktails to finish, New Orleans special. They're also famous for their cocktails, I didn't realize. Which was to set the tone for the rest of the trip. The fact that we were drinking a cocktail, and the fact that one of the cocktails you could order was a bacon bloody Mary. And it's exactly what you'd expect. A large, cool glass of vodka, tomato juice, all the little trimmings, and then a stick of bacon to top it all off, just sitting in your glass. They all ordered one. I got my Bloody Mary without the bacon. It was still great. We spent that afternoon taking in the city. The centre of town is known as the French Quarter, was the original settlement built by the French when they colonised the area. New Orleans is one of the older cities in the US, and it's got such a unique charm to it. By day, it's beautiful. The architecture, the parks, even the, how they design the street signs, everything. The city authorities permit drinking on the streets, provided it's in a plastic container rather than glass. Which I get, you know, glass smashes, it could be dangerous, but plastic isn't much better. But hey, they know their audience and they permit drinking on the streets and most people do. I sipped a beer as we went along, taking plenty of pictures, taking it all in. And then finally I found the Mississippi. Even ran up, they had this like um, staircase going down right to the river. I ran straight to the river, dipped my hands in. Maybe not very sanitary, but hey, I can say I've been in the Mississippi River. That evening we had dinner and drinks on Frenchman Street, which we'd read was like the cooler version of Bourbon Street. For those who don't know Bourbon Street, it's probably the most iconic street in New Orleans. It's where all the postcards are. It's where all the tourists go. And it's just a bit over the top now. It's a bit sleazy, a bit overpriced. Frenchman Street is touristy as well, but it's kind of more authentic, a bit more mellow. Place we went, there was a great jazz band playing. And our waiter was so charming, and like everyone we met in the city, they all had great character. The next day, we were headed on a road trip. But first, November Project. If you don't know, November Project is a free fitness movement, and I'm an avid member of it. I'll give a whole podcast to November Project at some stage, maybe more than one. It is in many cities across the US, and a few across Europe and the wider world, one of which is, luckily, Amsterdam. Long story short, just show up bright and early and work out with strangers who quickly become friends. There's no money involved, there's no minimum fitness level required, just show up. There's a November project group in New Orleans, and I was excited to pay them a visit. I showed up at the Superdome, the massive stadium in the city that is home to the New Orleans Saints, the American football team, Go Saints. Bright and early, 6am, there were probably 100 people there already and we got right into some fun, furious workout. The leaders choreographed the chaos brilliantly and I had a very fun time. <laughs> 
After the workout, there were some announcements about the upcoming marathon in New Orleans. There'll be more about that later. And some friends invited me to join them for a smoothie afterwards. It was a great morning. November Project is always a great way to start the day, especially if you're in a foreign city making new friends. Our first stop on the road trip was French Truck Coffee, not far from where our accommodation was. This was a cool yellow coffee shop and oh, it was so good. The staff were just really cool and friendly and the coffee was amazing. I took a few stickers with me as a souvenir, I remember. Just remember, wish I remembered where they were. We wanted to get out of the city once during our trip. There are several former plantation houses that are tourist attractions now, but I just didn't really feel comfortable giving my money to houses that used to own slaves, even if they've become museums and, you know, more politically correct since then. Instead, we discovered that the headquarters in the factory of Tabasco Hot Sauce is in Avery Island in Louisiana, which is about three hours from New Orleans. En route, we stopped in a Taco Bell to tick off another US tradition off the list. It was nice. Cheap and cheerful, it was hardly quality dining, but it was a fun experience. I enjoyed all the little, uh, the amount of little sauce packets you could take. I did almost get in trouble by picking up the wrong drink by mistake. So we'd finished our um, dinner or, or lunch, finished our meal, and the other guys were waiting in the car for me. I was in the bathroom. I came back out and picked up what I thought was my root beer, and it turned out it belonged to this gentleman in full cowboy gear. He had the hat, the boots, and all. Luckily, he kindly informed me that I picked up his drink, but you could see by his, on his face that he wasn't amused. I apologized, made my way out of there, and just prayed that he didn't have a bad temper or a gun or anything. Thankfully, I survived. Just a few jokes, uh, just received a few jokes from my friends. The road trip took us into rural Louisiana, away from the wealth and uh, the prosperity of the city, you might say. The roads were terrible. I was so excited for this, you know, US American, all American road trip that you see in the movies and you think of like Route 66, California highways, whatever. This was a highway, but it was just crumbling. It was in such bad condition. And we got to see a more, you know, a forgotten part of the state. There were there was quite a bit of poverty. There were shacks, you know, dingy bars, fast food restaurants, strip clubs, and like almost nothing else to see for miles. It was kind of sad. But I was feel I was grateful we could see you know, a dose of reality, not just what the New Orleans Tourist Board wanted us to see. The Tabasco factory was great. It is, it's still an independently owned company run by the McElhenney family. You look at a bottle of Tabasco, you'll see McElhenney on, on the writing. The buildings are old style industry and Avery Island itself is located in this beautiful green swampy area, which I had no idea. There, there was lush nature all around, birds singing, on the tour, we tried many different kinds of hot sauce. There were some wonderful, you know, some weird ones, very spicy ones, but yeah, delicious. It was a lot of fun. I just wish I'd bought a few more souvenirs at the gift shop, to be honest. The best part of that trip was the Jungle Gardens Natural Park that made up most of Avery Island. The McElhenney family curated this kind of half-wild, half-designed garden estate. There were alligators... Egrets, egrets, I'm not sure how you pronounce the bird's name, but a fancy type of bird. Deer, massive variety of plants. And you got to drive all around it, kind of like Jurassic Park style, drive through the whole na nature reserve. It's beautiful. On our way home, we stopped in this quintessentially American diner. Another must-do as a tourist in America. I, got, I just decided to go for a coffee, you know, the free refills, of course, while the others got those milkshakes. Like, everything in this place was 
exactly as you'd expect that all-American diner to be. Even the uniform the our waitress was wearing was a great experience. That night we went out again. We were tired from the day, but hey, when in Rome. By this stage of the trip, I'd already consumed quite a lot of alcohol. Plenty of great food, but almost none of it healthy. And I'd had less than the ideal amount of sleep each night. Eventually, that gets to you. In the morning, I decided to visit a nearby health food place called the Green Fork. It was expensive, but fully organic, you know, almost entirely vegan and all healthy. I got a smoothie with the appropriate name of Hangover Buster. I guess this place knew what its customers wanted. It was big and thick and delicious. Some mix of cold brew coffee with banana, dates, peanut butter, a few other things. Really nice. Did It did the trick. Sam and I sat outside nursing our hangovers and reading the local events guide to plan the next few days. We were feeling quite rough, so we had an easy day. We visited Walmart, where Sam marvelled at the menu items at the in-store McDonald's. Regrettably, I got a giant root beer for 99 cents, one of those big gulp gallon cups. Ugh, I drank less than a quarter of it before I'd had enough. In that same area, there was this cool-looking brewery called Urban South. Thought it was quite funny that there was a brewery on a street called Religious. Despite already being hungover, we went in for a look. The interior was really cool. American breweries are more of a family-friendly place, designed for people to come and stay and have a good time, not just for brewing beer. We shared a tasting platter of six beers, enjoyed them, really nice, but we both kind of admitted that we weren't exactly in the right shape for a brewery that day, so we didn't hang around. Mardi Gras was coming up, and we'd managed to stumble across a warehouse constructing giant floats that were used to be in the parade. Even though we weren't officially allowed in, we managed to wander and get a look before someone politely asked us to move on. That evening, I enjoyed my first po'boy sandwich. P-O-B-O-Y, po'boy. A po'boy is a famous Louisiana sandwich. Its name is thought to derive from poor boys who were the streetcar drivers on strike at the time. And they were made sandwiches by sympathizers during the strike. Traditionally, they're served with roast beef or shrimp or just about any other form of meat or fish. Yet we managed to find a place that did a veggie one. These are huge sandwiches and delicious. One of them with a plate of fries just, well, that was enough to fill me for the whole night. Quick history lesson, if you'll permit it. New Orleans was originally a French colony, but they built a city on a swamp in an unfamiliar land and it came with consequences. It was hot and dirty and rife with disease and death. It had a pretty dark origin story and often linked with voodoo and other mystical influences. While I'm sure that was no fun at the time, these days it created so many great stories to tell. We took a haunted walking tour that night. Our guide was an old southern gent of a man, some guy you think is a character from a movie. You wouldn't expect him to actually exist, but he did. I could understand maybe half of what he was saying. But his accent was wonderful, his storytelling skills were great. Those dark, empty streets of the French Quarter by night were a pretty chilling sight to see, and there was a soft rain that all made it feel really atmospheric. Unlike November Project in Amsterdam, which is once a week, New Orleans' November Project also has a Friday morning workout by Lake Pontchartrain in the north of the city. Lake Pontchartrain is a long way out of the centre. Thankfully, I was fortunate enough to get a ride from one of the awesome co-leaders of the group. He picked me up bright and early right outside the hotel and brought me there. 
it was dark still by the time we got there and really cold and really windy. There was a group joining us from November Project Chicago. They were in town to run the marathon on the weekend. Yeah, it was a great workout. I hit it hard, if for no other reason than to warm up my freezing body. And to be honest, there was a bit of me that just wanted to impress these people. They were all new. Not going to lie. It was a lot of fun, though. Afterwards, we all went to a nearby lakeside restaurant where they even have their very own table in a little dedicated plaque saying the November Project for us. Very cool. It all looked great, but sadly it was uh, quite a traditional breakfast place. So basically the intent, uh, the menu is almost entirely bacon and eggs of some variety. But it was fun to get to know the people from New Orleans and Chicago. Hi to any of you, if you're listening. So after spending most of our trip together, it was time for some solo exploration. I'd heard of this cool part of town called Carrollton. My hotel was on the amazing St. Charles Avenue, which is also part of the St. Charles Streetcar Line. Another famous feature of New Orleans. If you've ever heard of the musical Streetcar Named Desire, this is the streetcar in question. It's an old-fashioned tram trolley, really cool to see, very vintage style, fun to ride as a novelty, but it is quite slow. Uh, in When you're sitting inside, it's really loud and rickety. I'd imagine it's not a lot of fun for your morning commute. I rode it nearly from one end to the other. And it was fun to see the local runners use that green strip of tram line in the middle of the massive St. Charles Avenue as a running track. They would go from one track to the other whenever a streetcar came by. Carrollton, the neighborhood I was visiting, had a much younger and hipper vibe than anywhere I'd been so far. And it was fun to explore. I was there mostly for a vegan bakery I'd heard a lot about, Breads on Oak. It's located in this beautiful building and there's such a warm, friendly atmosphere the moment you walk in. They had vegan versions of almost everything I'd seen up to this point. I had bacon and egg biscuit, vegan version, obviously. To me and other European listeners, American biscuit is more of like a savoury scone than a sweet biscuit that we would associate with tea or tea or coffee. So I had these two pieces of biscuit and the filling in between was... Yeah, looked and tasted as good as real bacon and eggs. I don't know how they made it, but I'm glad they did. It was fun to eat and, yeah, delicious. I couldn't go without trying the vegan version of another famous New Orleans um, food, the king cake. King cake is this sweet cake topped with really cool purple, green and gold icing, I guess, or sugar. Uh, Purple, green and gold are the colours of Mardi Gras. And this cake is only available around the carnival season and the whole town goes crazy for it. The basketball team, their mascot is King Cake Baby. It's a whole thing. You'll see purple, green and gold all over the city in February. There's beads hanging from trees. Masks and flags adorn most every building. The whole town takes huge pride in uh, in its festivities and it shows. After that, I strolled through some of the residential areas of Carrollton, enjoying the peace and quiet for a change. There hadn't been a lot of that in the trip so far. I found some some levees of the Mississippi River, which were raised so high. There were these like green natural banks just raised really high. You couldn't even see the river anymore. I wouldn't even try to climb them. But obviously, with uh, Hurricane Katrina devastating most of the city in 2005, it's obvious they're not taking chances anymore. Who could blame them? Then I rode the streetcar back into the city, though only halfway. There was a collision of two cars on the uh, line, so we had to get out and walk the rest of the way. But that was fun. Maybe not if you were one of the people involved in the collision, now that I think of it. 
That evening, we headed to the Gumbo Shop, which is the most famous gumbo place in the city. It's this beautiful, old-timey restaurant right in the middle of the French Quarter. Gumbo is the Cajun version of a stew, I guess. This hot pot of meat and vegetables, or in my case, beans and vegetables. It was a staple peasant food in Louisiana for centuries, and it still is, and for good reason. It's flavorful and hearty and delicious, and my time in New Orleans gave me a real appreciation for hot sauce. Hot sauce sits alongside salt and pepper as just your default condiments on the table in every restaurant. It's great. Well, in America, we really wanted to go see a sporting event of any kind. The New Orleans Saints, I mentioned earlier, the football team, they're the big deal of the city. But just before we arrived, the Saints were denied victory in this important match due to some highly controversial non-call. Any of the locals would tell us about this the moment we asked. Even those who didn't love sports knew about the non-call. They even had a brass band, marching parades, street parties, all in protest of this one bad decision. It's, it's very typical of New Orleans. Passionate, musical, community, sports obsessed. So instead, we did manage to get tickets to see the New Orleans Pelicans. That's the city's basketball team. The Pelicans, uh, they aren't exactly the best team in the NBA. Their star player, Anthony Davis, had just agreed to move to the LA Lakers, much to the uh, chagrin of the locals. That evening, we headed to the Smoothie King Center, the basketball arena. It's located right beside the Superdome. It was a fun atmosphere, even though the arena was only about half full. They still made it a carnival. The Pelicans were playing against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who apparently are also far from the greatest team in the league. I did some quick research into the rules and the playing positions, and hastily tried to learn a few chants to blend in. I was as impressed by the experience in the arena as I was by the game itself. It was just really fun to walk through all the crazy overpriced food and drink stalls, soak in the atmosphere. I purchased some big beers and plastic cups, and was for the first time introduced to the concept of bottomless popcorn. In a cinema here, back home, you get salted popcorn, maybe you'll get the chance of getting buttered or sweet varieties. In the US, they'll give you a giant bucket of popcorn. Well, they don't give it to you, it's $5, but you get a giant bucket of popcorn, and then you're presented with at least five or six big drums of flavors to douse over your popcorn in like a powder form. The flavors, oh, there's so many, like caramel, Cajun buffalo wings, smoky bacon, white cheddar. It was weird, it was really new to me. Bottomless popcorn did sound cool, but by the time we'd finished one giant bucket, we just, no, that we were done. We didn't even want any more, which I guess is the idea. The Pelicans won the game. The locals booed Anthony Davis for agreeing to abandon them. We cheered him. He was a star player, and you could tell he was just the best on the court. All in all, we had a great time. Uh, we left with uh, almost no voices because we were shouting every call, every basket. It was great fun. That night ended in a cigar lounge. I don't remember much, truth be told. I was pretty drunk and even more tired by then. But it had been a great day. And I remember the cigar being a really good one. Not that I'm much of an expert, but this was just a nice cherry on top of what was a, one of the best days we had. The next day was a Friday, and that would be the first big parade of the Mardi Gras season. And the only one we'd be there for in our time. However, I had a dilemma. Earlier I told you I was in training for my first ever ultra marathon and I'd hired a coach and while I told him I wasn't going to prioritize training during my stay, I did realize the rock and roll marathon series, 
the Rock and Roll Race Series, sorry, had a race on in New Orleans on the Saturday. And my coach recommended that I sign up for the half marathon and run it hard as part of my training program. So on this Friday afternoon, I went to the convention center and signed up for the New Orleans Rock and Roll Half Marathon, which took place the next morning. My dilemma was that I was both determined to make the most of this once-in-a-lifetime Mardi Gras experience, but also get up early and in somewhat decent condition to run a fast half marathon next morning. I declared that I would enjoy the parade, and come what may, I'd be in bed by midnight, with my alarm due to go off at 6am. And that's basically what happened. Before we headed into the French Quarter for the evening's festivities, we'd visited another vegan hotspot that so many people had recommended to me. You know a vegan place is good when even meat eaters are telling you that you have to check it out. Seed Vegan Cafe wasn't far from our hotel, and a credit to Sam, my travel buddy, he was more than happy to check it out with me. And oh boy, I'm so glad we did. Seed was delicious. The food was really unique, you know, in in a great way. And we had great cocktails too. Everywhere in New Orleans seemed to serve great cocktails. They were never my drink of choice, to be honest, but this trip really gave me an appreciation for them. We figured that a good healthy feast at a vegan restaurant would be wise before we headed into the uh, hedonism and debauchery of Mardi Gras. The French Quarter was surprisingly quiet at first. We bought the uh, frozen cocktails in those giant plastic souvenir fleur-de-lis containers. That's a surefire way to spot a tourist in the French Quarter. They're basically slushy versions of a margarita or a pina colada or a few other types. They were, were tasty, but strong. And it was so I'm just awful with cold drinks, so it took me far longer to finish it than it should. I just kept getting her brain freeze every few minutes. We had decided earlier in the week that one of the famous French Quarter balconies would be the ideal setting to view the parade as it passed by. But everything seemed to be filling up fast, but we'd gotten wind of a hot dog place that allowed people up on their kind of hidden balcony entrance, if they were a customer. Thankfully, that dog on Frenchman Street did vegan hot dogs. We purchased one, or I purchased a vegan one, and we made our way up past the security guard and up a flight of stairs. It's almost like the hot dogs were our, were our ID to get into the upstairs bar. Somehow, we managed to get a table in a perfect spot. We were joined by a Brazilian girl that we'd met on the walking tour yesterday and this friendly couple from San Francisco. Unfortunately, the guy of the couple was a bit too friendly. He just kept buying us shots of Jägermeister. I'd never had a Jägermeister before, but I'd heard unpleasant reviews, shall we say. I thought it was delicious. I really enjoyed it. However, after two shots, I thought, okay, I'm going to politely refuse the offer of a third. But he came out with one anyway, and then I refused a fourth, and he got me a fourth. I'm like, okay, I have to stop. While my wits are still about me, I'm moving on. So each parade of Mardi Gras has a theme, and each one is run by a crew. That's K-R-E-W-E, crew. Crews make the floats and costumes, and every each of them have themes. This parade was run by Crew Bacchus. Crew Bacchus was a delightful play on words mixing Bacchus, you know, the Roman god of wine, and Chewbacca. Chewbacca, Bacchus, Crew Bacchus. That'll give you the gist of the parade. This one was a nerd fest of the most wonderful kind. There were endless amounts of floats. It just went on forever. We saw Pokemon, Marvel superheroes, Star Trek, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, Back to the Future, Star Wars. The list is endless. I couldn't believe the creativity and the passion these people had. 
considering most of the floats are funded by crews themselves and the local community, and they're built in basically li- like large gar- garages or garden sheds. <laughs> The night belonged to the nerds. They got the adoration of the masses. They threw out beads, candies, toys, and all sorts. Like Cinderella at the ball, however, I was gone at midnight. My way home took a few detours as we met so many colourful characters along the way. And I finally found a little store selling Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. For those who don't know, PBR is to Americans what a can of Dutch gold would be to my Irish listeners. Imagine cheap beer in cans that only students would drink, really. But I'd heard so much about PBR that I had to try one. It became my beverage for walking back to the hotel. It's not a nice beer, but hey, it to be drinking, it was like the... It was one of those things you just had to do, or I just had to do. And I'm glad I did. The next morning, as you can imagine, wasn't so fun. The alarm went off at 6am, I was groggy, my head was sore, but I was still really excited to run the race, and that helped me get up. Once I'd showered and changed into my running gear, I started to feel better. In the dark hotel lobby, there was another girl in running gear. Kat was also running the half marathon, so we headed in together. I found my November project friends, who were doing a pre-race bounce, The bounce is a famous NP ritual. We all huddle in this big tight group, jump up and down and shout, call and repeat at the top of our lungs, usually ending with hugs and high fives. Perfect way to shake off those early morning cobwebs and just get into the day. For me, it did exactly that. For Kat, my new friend to join me from the hotel, it must have been a fun experience. But that's the beauty of NP. Even if it's your first time and no one knows you, you're just as welcome as the most experienced member. The Rock and Roll Race Series is as much a music festival as it is a running race. There are live bands, balloons, costumes, and just a general feeling of fun and positivity, all of which I was basking in at this stage. We joined our chorale together and began the countdown to the start of the race. As a side note, do any of you know who Josh LaJohnny is? If you've listened to the great Rich Roll podcast, then maybe Josh LaJohnny is a familiar name to you. He has an inspiring story, this rural American young man who was morbidly obese. He started running, went vegan, and just changed his life. The incredible weight loss story is incredible, but what he's done since is even more remarkable. He's worth a follow on social media. Just such an honest and inspiring message. Josh Lajoni also happened to be the only person I knew who lived in Louisiana. Not that he knew me. I asked him on social media before we left for some vegan recommendations, and he replied with a few nice suggestions. But back into the uh, starting race corral, I was mid-conversation with Cass, my new running buddy, when I caught a glimpse of a New Orleans Saints hoodie just behind her. I looked up and I saw that it was, in fact, Josh Lejani. Looking back, it may have been a bit rude to my new friend, but I I probably think I just left her mid-sentence and went straight over to Josh. I couldn't believe it, though. I, Already a running vegan inspiration of mine and the only person I knew in this whole part of the US. Not only was he in New Orleans for the race, he was in the same starting corral as me, a few feet away from me. The chances were just uh, unbelievable. And I was in total fanboy mode. 
Josh was nothing short of incredible. He was so friendly, with a big smile, gave me a big hug. He was pacing his brother-in-law, I think, through his first half marathon, and he wished me luck with mine. I got a photo with him, and I left him to it. That photo, I'll put it as the cover photo for my podcast. If you can see it in my face or not, I was just over the moon. So, already in a good mood, but that just set me up perfectly for the race. Runners out there will know that sometimes you just have a run that everything goes right. It just feels great, and that's what I had. The course ran right past my hotel, where Sam had gotten up to cheer me on. I spotted a guy wearing a Liverpool jersey. Again, what are the chances? Who was running his first ever marathon. His name was Greg. That's Mr. Math Dude on Instagram. I could tell he liked his numbers. He kept checking his pace, his distance, etc. Greg was a New Orleans local, and we were running right through his neighbourhood. Eventually, I left Mr. Matthew behind as I was only running the half marathon and I was running so well. We flew through the French Quarter and there I ran into one of the people I'd met at the November Project workout on Wednesday morning. Shout out to Brenna. She's a badass. We both came into Jackson Square in the center of town and that's where the November Project crew were giving loud cheers and good vibes to anyone who passed by. They even snapped a few cool photos of me. Thanks, Matt. The race just flew by. I was running fast, feeling great. Just like everything else in the city, the race itself was a carnival. Lots of live bands or DJs were pumping out awesome music all the way around. The race ends in the main city park. On my approach, there was a guy in a leopard costume handing out jello shots. Uh, I was in such a euphoric mood that and knew that I was almost finished. I just instinctively grabbed one. Only afterwards did I think, hmm, that probably wasn't even vegan. Oops. And I also heard him say he made them strong. Oh well. I sailed across the finish line in probably the best mood I've ever had when running a race. The medal and the t-shirt both feature the awesome symbols and the colours of Mardi Gras, which I'd already grown to love. I still feel so proud and happy when I see that medal. That afternoon, after the race, Sam and I returned to Urban South, the brewery we'd briefly visited earlier in the week. I feel like I'd earned a few drinks at that stage, and they were hosting a crawfish boil, which was another traditional Louisiana food experience. When we got there, two men were stirring and tending to this massive pot full of red shellfish. Sorry to any Puritan vegan listeners, but it was fun to see the whole ritual. Don't worry, I I wouldn't have any. I got the beers and Sam came to the table with a giant box of bright red boiled crawfish. There were a bunch of other people at the end of the table. One of them seemed mortally offended at the way Sam was trying to eat his crawfish. She came over and showed him the proper methods, you know, how to eat like a local. We got talking to this group and in the end it turned out to be one of the best experiences of the whole trip. Jerrica, Michelle and their partners were such good company. We talked to them for hours. Of course, I still had my half marathon medal worn proudly around my neck, so I told them all about that. We told them all of the great stories we'd had on our trip so far, and they gave us a glimpse of what it was like to be locals. Jerrica and her husband Lawrence were kind enough to take me out for food. There was a vegan food truck nearby that I'd heard was a must-try. Unfortunately, it was closed that day. Instead, they took me to Stein's Deli. This was kind of an unassuming storefront, and it looked a bit out of place. Stein's Deli belonged in New York, I would say, rather than in New Orleans. But they informed me it's a hit with the locals, and with good reason. 
the owner himself, Dan Stein, I think, something Stein, had a legendary reputation for making great sandwiches, but also for his customer service, or lack thereof. I was warned he might be a bit gruff or unfriendly, but it would be worth it. I got my sandwich and they took me to the back shed, full of beer bottles and cans. The variety was incredible, and I, I was told you can find beer here that is hard to find anywhere else in the city. Stein's was just this little gem of a place that only the locals would know, and I was so happy they brought me. We've returned to the brewery, food in hand. Apparently it's no problem to bring your own food into the brewery. I love how different they are in the US. They're just designed to be social hangout spots. There's families there, games tables, arcades, water taps. It's just so friendly and welcoming. Once again, a massive shout out to Jerrica, Michelle and their partners for their friendliness, the hospitality and for just showing us an amazing afternoon. That evening, perhaps unsurprisingly, it's a bit of a blur. It was our last full night in New Orleans and we'd headed back to the neighbourhood around our hotel to tick off another place or two that we'd missed just before we left. We went to the Avenue Pub. It was a nice old-fashioned bar and we got a table upstairs on a balcony for another beer or two. I was pretty drunk at this stage, not going to lie, and I remember my excitement. I went down to the bar to order another round, and I found this small statue. It was a La Chouffe gnome. La Chouffe is a Belgian brewery, and their um, icon, their mascot, their logo is a gnome. It's this delicious blonde ale, so even though I was on the other side of the world and having enjoying all that the local breweries had to offer, I couldn't help but ordering this you know, familiar favourite. I recall that it was dark and foggy as we walked back to our hotel. The streetlights were soft and you could just make out the dark silhouettes of those amazing trees and haunting old houses. Oh, it was gorgeous. I'll never forget that. Even though I don't remember much about that night, I do remember that image quite clearly. The next day was sadly our last in New Orleans, but we still had a few things to check off on the list. We headed to the French market in the centre of town. Sam wanted beignets from Café du Monde. That's the famous beignet place, another one of these iconic food spots in the city. And I'd heard there was a vegan food place in the market. Oh man, I wish I'd discovered it sooner. The place had vegan versions of every dish New Orleans is famous for. I chose the spicy jambalaya, but I wish I had time and, you know, the ability to just eat the whole menu. We bought some souvenirs in the French Quarter and then headed back to the Quisby, our home base, to pack our bags. We were headed to the Air Force, but in plenty of time, so we made a few last stops. Our first, one final time, was to the bar in the Quisby, which had been great at making us cocktails and serving us nice beers all through our stay. We had a beer and shared a packet of Zappos crisps, or chips if you prefer. Zappos are like the New Orleans equivalent of Tato, for those of you who get the reference. They were rather delicious. And there was one other widely recommended vegan place to check out, Carmo. Carmo is a great place. There was really cool, interesting interior design. The menu and the place had a tropical feel. It was probably the best salad I've ever had in my life. The staff were friendly. I think the owner was sitting at the next table and he was chatting to some sort of food critic or, you know, someone of importance. That was a nice one to overhear in the background. Credit to Sam, he was great at checking out the vegan spots with me, but there was one final thing on his list of, new, of famous New Orleans foods to check out. The muffaletta sandwich. It's an Italian sandwich, and it's loaded with four different types of meat, if I remember correctly. 
He, f- he got one. We sat in a city square, enjoying one last look at the surroundings before we got on the bus. He seemed happy with the sandwich, but apparently it was really filling and quite a chore to finish. Unsurprisingly. We made our way to the bus stop and got on this rickety old bus that seemed to stop a hundred times before we made our way back to Louis Armstrong Airport. Man, this uh, travel journal went on way longer than I expected. A few days ago, I watched a travel food show, Somebody Feed Phil, and there was an episode about New Orleans, and I thought it might be nice to reminisce about my trip. Twelve pages later, here we are. So, if you've stayed with me this whole time, thank you. I think what I enjoyed most about the trip is the balance we struck. Sure, we did some of the cheesy tourist stuff, we did Bourbon Street, we bought those frozen cocktails from those plastic souvenir cups, we got all the famous tourist photos, but we also got out of the city, drove through lesser parts of Louisiana, lesser known parts of Louisiana, drank with locals, worked out with locals, I saw another neighbourhood far off the tourist trail. Like Amsterdam, I fell in love with New Orleans because of my experiences off the tourist trail rather than anything I saw in the French Quarter. It's a city that was devastated by Hurricane Katrina, especially those poorer black communities, but it has rebuilt itself to become prouder and better than ever before. The people, they just seem grateful for what they have. There seems to be a strong pride in community and in celebration. They let the good times roll. Laissez les bons temps rouler. And that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I would really recommend New Orleans to anybody. There's something there for everybody to see. There's a great quote by Tennessee Williams that just sums it up perfectly. America only has three cities. New York, San Francisco, and New Orleans. Everywhere else is Cleveland. So I would heartily recommend you visit one of America's three cities. Let me know how you got on, or if you've been there before. I'd love to hear from you, see what stories you have to tell. I'll be back again for sure. So feel free to get in touch. I'm on Instagram, StephenRunsVegan. You can email me, StephenRunsVegan at gmail.com. I'll leave all the links below. And yeah, here I will love you and leave you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you're doing well. I hope you have a good day. And see you next time. Bye-bye.